Welcome to Fundamentally Human, a podcast about mental health topics unpacked in an easy-to-understand way. My name is Shervin, and I'm your host. Let's get started. For today's episode, we're going to be talking about grief, or it's also defined as the response to a loss. And this is a universal experience or feeling that we all face throughout our lives and loss of a loved one. It might be being terminated from our jobs, losing our homes, or doing poorly on a test. It looks differently for everyone. So just like how grief occurs in different ways, the ways that we experience and respond to loss also varies. But on the other hand, we have guilt. And guilt is a self-conscious emotion that causes us to evaluate ourselves in a negative way. And with guilt, you might feel like you've done something wrong or that you didn't do enough. And many of us tap into guilt to cope with anxiety because we start blaming and questioning ourselves. And today, I've enlisted the help of a fellow therapist, Cordelia, to help me explore the topic of guilt and regret and grief, especially in death. So welcome to the podcast, Cordelia. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, thank you so much, Servin, and I'm so glad to be here. Uh, my name is Cordelia, and um, I'm a registered clinical counselor. I'm private practice. I specialize in grief therapy. I'm really passionate about um, providing grief therapy to young adults and adults. Um, in addition, I also provide uh, therapy for a wide range of concerns, including couples therapy. Um, yeah, my own personal loss. Um, led to my deep devotion to support people going through grief, whether it be through death or non-death loss. And um, yeah, so I'm just so glad to be here to have this conversation with Shervin. Awesome. I appreciate that introduction. And I wanted to ask if you could, I know I did a small introduction of it, but can you explain guilt and grief to us or why we experience it? What happens when a client comes to you and starts talking to you about guilt and grief? Yeah, so I would say I wanted to start off by sharing a quote um, that really captures the experience of guilt and regret. And um, this quote is by Elizabeth Kubler-Rose. And she says that guilt um, is perhaps the most painful companion to death. And oftentimes we experience guilt and regret in regards to um, a lot of things, but in death, it can be really painful because the person is no longer here. Um, it's just, it's kind of like we're left with like, what, like, what do I do now that this person is gone? Um, so I would say usually when I meet a client, I would start by validating that this is a human, it's, it's so human, like, it's almost I would say in my work with clients, it's really rare to find someone who doesn't feel some guilt or regret. Um, and it's it's just something that we experience when we really love and care for someone. Um, and sometimes we might have complicated relationships. Like it could be like an estranged relationship or maybe it was sort of um, a relationship where we weren't too sure what kind of relationship it was and that makes it even more um, complex in terms of like how do I process these um, mixed emotions like you could be feeling relieved but you could also be feeling um, guilt. When you work with clients when it comes to 
guilt and regret, especially when it comes to grief, you know, those are a lot of emotions that come up. You know, there are three separate ones. You know, there's guilt, there's regret, mm-hmm. and there's grief. Is right. there one that comes up the most strongly or what do you work with first? That's a really good question. Um, I work with what is the most um, maybe distressing for the client or something that is just something they can't stop thinking about, like something that just keeps running through their minds. And oftentimes people come to me and they say um, they would like to process um, guilt um, and maybe they don't mention the regret um, and they probably also mention other concerns within grief. Um, but oftentimes I would then spend time asking them specifically um, what would they like to start off with. Um, and also I would then ask them, um, and even sometimes they might not even mention that they feel guilt or regret. They just say, I want to process my grief. And I would then ask them, is there something specific within the grief that has been troubling you? Something that um, is hard to stop thinking about. Um, and then oftentimes if I ask them, is there something you feel regret or guilt about? And they would say, yeah, that's actually something that I'm really struggling with. Yeah, thank you for walking us through some of the processes you might take when it comes Mm -hmm. to dealing with these situations because I imagine everyone has a different experience and what's happening. And like you said earlier about feeling relieved, I can imagine that one relief comes with guilt quite hand in hand. Yes, it does. Especially comes when um, there is an abusive relationship or um, this relationship where um, things just weren't the best. Like maybe they were treating you well sometimes, but for the most part, um, it wasn't a good relationship overall. But then there's like some love you had towards the person. Um, So maybe you might feel even guilt for feeling relief. So there's the guilt of the relief and then there's guilt of other things as well. And what do you think are some steps or tools that people can take when they have this guilt and feeling relieved of, you know, either the person's not there anymore, if let's say it was an abusive relationship or they've left the relationship or moved Mm -hmm. away. I have a lot of clients when they move out of their homes or they move away, they feel like they're abandoning their family or Mm -hmm. that they're not there for them anymore. And in those cases, they have a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. for doing that, but then also relief for being able to actually move out and have their own space. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes I would first um, validate that they're feeling feelings of relief, not because they're um, wanting the other person to um, be hurt by their actions or they're not they're not having bad intentions. Um, they're not actually wanting um, like the they're more so wanting the pain to end. Uh, so we, so I try to encourage clients to focus on what is it that they're wanting to end. So is it the pain of um, being in that relationship? So it's not so much like the person itself, but what is it about the relationship that is causing um, 
in the first place, um, the relief that they're feeling from that now being um, there being an end to that. So if let's say a person has died, now you're no longer experiencing the abuse or you're no longer experiencing the impacts of um, whatever behaviors they were doing. Um, so you're actually feeling relief that you're no longer suffering um, under the impact of those behaviors. You're not actually like happy, like, oh, now they're dead. Um, it's mm-hmm. the end of the pain that you were enduring. And that then helps to create space to um, permission to feel relief, um, to to allow yourself to feel those feelings knowing that yeah as a human any human in your position would feel the same way uh, of course you would feel that way um, given all that you have been through mm-hmm. and that makes a lot of sense when you frame it that way because it's not so much the person that you might maybe feel a lot of anger with but maybe what they represent or what they associate mm-hmm. with right. you know being a caregiver is really really tough Mm-hmm. And people don't usually take care of the caregiver. And the mm-hmm. caregiver doesn't take care of the caregiver. So right. they're taking on all this emotional labor and sometimes even burden, depending on what they're doing. So if a relationship ends or if someone, let's say, is no longer there, mm-hmm. then the relief might come in the form of because all that pressure that was on them Right, it's not there anymore. Even though they are feeling sadness with Absolutely. the loss, right? Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Like with caregivers, um, oftentimes, um, they might feel burnt out, and they might feel is is this whole bag of mixed emotions of like you don't want the person to die, but then. Like maybe the past 10 years of your life um, have been devoted to this. And so now finally there's a break. You can rest, but then it feels strange. Like, um, like what do I do now with my time? Like I feel relieved and yet it's not something I'm used to. So yeah, it can be confusing to navigate all these emotions that just suddenly appear now that the person has gone. Mm -hmm. And it almost leaves this void or empty space. It's kind of like if you were working and then you weren't working at that job anymore, what are you going to do with that time? I can imagine it's probably really confusing when you go through that transition. Yes, totally. And that leads me to wonder... Um, Something we mentioned earlier is regret and grief. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. No, please go ahead because I I think a lot of it is intertwined. The thing when it comes with loss or grief, guilt, regret, all these Mm -hmm. words that we've used, it there's no linear path to feeling something or experiencing something. And all these things come up, which I think makes it so much more confusing. So please go ahead and just um, tell us more about what all this means, what this regret and grief looks like. Yeah. So oftentimes people use uh, the terms guilt and regret very interchangeably in grief. Um, and that makes a lot of sense because they're connected emotions. Um, it's very hard to um, say, okay, this is uh, guilt, this is regret. Um, because oftentimes the feeling that we feel subjectively 
um, can be really heavy and it can feel like, oh, when we when we explain how we feel to someone, we might say, oh, I feel really guilty. Um, but there's actually, mm-hmm. it could be that you're feeling um, guilt and regret. And so it can be really helpful to kind of spend time distinguishing them from each other because it could provide us with direction as to how do we process them? How can we be with them? Um, what do we do with our emotions? Um, And oftentimes there are overlaps between the two because we can feel regret for things that we feel guilty about. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. I would explain um, to my clients um, or actually before I explain, um, I would ask them um, what is their own definition of guilt and regret and people have different answers. Um, But I would also share what I understand them to be and um, Usually with guilt, um, it's an emotion that we feel, um, that we typically feel when we did something um, that we feel is wrong, um, that went against our moral conscience or against our ethics or maybe even the law. Um, And it also could be something um, that is explained as something that was done knowingly or intentionally. Um, whereas for regret, um, oftentimes it is the emotion we feel when we look back on an outcome of an action or an inaction and we wish we could have or should have done something differently or we, we wish that the outcome was different, the process was different. It didn't turn out the way we hoped for, but it's not necessarily something that was wrong. It wasn't something necessarily that um, went against our conscience. So for instance, um, a non-death example could be, um, let's say a person wanted to pursue further studies in a PhD and, and they decided, okay, I'm just going to stop at a master's degree. Um, and then maybe 10 years later, they look back and they're like, oh, I wish that I um, I did my PhD. Um, it's not necessarily a wrong decision. It's not necessarily something that was harming anyone or it wasn't something that was against um, moral conscience. It's just something that creates emotions of regret, like, oh, I it would have been better if I did that. And then whereas um, guilt could be like, oh, I decided to... Um, maybe talk a certain way to a certain person when I know that it would hurt them and I knowingly did that or um, I decided to steal an apple from the store even though I knew it's wrong. Um, And then after the action has passed, I now feel a sense of guilt. Um, And oftentimes these feelings can shift, um, especially if a person Um, let's say you were in a relationship with a person and they were alive at the time and maybe you did something or you said something um, that was um, something that came out of your mouth in the moment of conflict or um, an argument and maybe you didn't know that it was the last time you might see them Um, and after they died you realized um, oh that was something I shouldn't have said or shouldn't have done but in the moment maybe it felt right Um, but now that they have died it feels like it it, it now changes why did you the, say that yeah it changes the perception of the event because now you can look back and process what happened and now knowing that you don't have a chance to make amends it does change whereas if let's say the person was still living 
um, maybe you had a chance to talk with them and resolve the conflict. So it wouldn't be like 10 years down the road, something you completely regret. It could be even something that you forget. And so going back to what I was saying about distinguishing um, both feelings um, with guilt, it's, it, it then impacts how you want to process it because you might want to make amends. Um, and that can be hard when a person has now, they're, they're no longer alive, um, but there are ways which I, I would be glad to talk about later on. Um, but then with regret is something that um, is something that everyone experienced. And um, it doesn't mean that um, you needed to make amends for it. Maybe it's something that could have been better, but it's not something that you feel like um, you should say sorry for or that you need um, to be punished for. So that's just kind of some differences between the two. And I know it can be a little bit confusing. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to provide some clear examples about that because they are quite interchangeable. And truthfully, mm -hmm. when you're in those moments, they're it's so confusing. Everything is all happening at once and you feel all these things right. at the same time and then separately. But with regret specifically, I find that this is when a lot of people go through these should or I wish I did this. I should have done right. that or I shouldn't have done this. Yeah. And that's where all the regret comes in. and man, it's so heavy to think like, oh, mm -hmm. why did I say that? That was the last mm -hmm. thing I said to them. Right. Or the whole idea of oh, live life with no regrets. That's a lot right. of pressure that you put it on is. yourself. Yeah, what it is a lot of pressure. What can someone do to feel relief? <laughs> I'm going to use the word relief, but you know, yeah. when someone puts that pressure on themselves and then they have all these regrets, what is something someone can do to work through that or eventually move on from that? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your question. Um, usually, I would um, first um, start by encouraging um, a person to befriend the regret. I know it might sound a little bit strange, um, but just finding ways to get curious about the regret. So that can be really tough when it feels like such a painful, unpleasant um, emotion and oftentimes maybe even um it, it feels like it's an emotion that is hard to get close to because it, it just is so painful um but i would encourage validating self-validating so validating one's regret so even saying um given how much i cared about them um it would make sense um that i feel this way so kind of slowly making room for regret by maybe talking about it with someone you trust, um, someone that you feel safe with. So just getting to know the regret. So even identifying specific regrets, because sometimes it's it feels like a big ball that's tangled. Mm -hmm. So maybe even finding, um, yeah, identifying specific regrets that you feel like, what is it that you regret? Was it something specific that you said? Was it something that you didn't do? Um, and maybe even writing it down and and just having it out on paper, um, giving room for it externally rather than it kind of just playing on and on in your head. Um, and that can be powerful because just seeing the specific regrets. Um, and then on the other hand, um, maybe even finding... Um, Thinking of, because we tend to focus on things that we didn't do, didn't say, or things that we shouldn't have done, 
Shunar said, it's hard to see things that we did that were positive contributions to the person or mm. that made a positive impact. Um, in doing this, we're not dismissing or invalidating our feelings of regret, but we're um, maybe taking a step back to look at what are some things that maybe my person um, appreciated while they were alive or maybe what would be something that they appreciated but they couldn't they didn't have the ability to share that with me uh, maybe due to circumstances um, so being able to not just look at the specific regrets but maybe on the other hand um, even writing down things that you appreciate yourself for doing which can be really hard um, so I think it, it's important to go at a pace that is um, slow and that fits for the person to not feel the pressure to okay like what are good things that I've done but to be able to first sit with the regret and just find ways to sit with the discomfort um, just allow yourself to be with it um, and so it's it's not about getting rid of it or eliminating it completely but just being able to unpack that slowly um, being with it allowing um, ourselves to just understand it so I, I like to use the words um, adapt to, adjust to, acknowledge, integrate. Um, so finding ways to integrate that into your life. So finding ways to carry the grief in a way that fits for you. Um, so in looking at it as something that you carry, um, it then takes away the pressure to stop feeling um, regret or guilt completely. Um, so it's just kind of, I see it as, um, I really like what um, a grief expert, um, she shared about this in her book, Bearing the Unbearable. Her name is Dr. Joanne Kakiatri, and she wrote about how um, it can be helpful to think of carrying and integrating grief just as how you would exercise um, and strengthen a muscle when you exercise. So it's kind mm -hmm. of like then building that capacity to be with the regret and the guilt so that it doesn't um, stop you from living life. It is there and it, it exists and you acknowledge that it's there, the pre its presence in your life, but it's not stopping you from thriving or moving forward um, within your grief. Mm -hmm. And I love how you painted that picture. And it reminds me of almost visualizing regret in the form of someone you don't like or your enemy. You mm -hmm. know, there are going to be things that you don't like about this person or things, you know, I wish this person was this way or mm -hmm. I wish they didn't act like this. But then we right. also have the opp opportunity to think about, well, what are some positives about this person or what came out of mm -hmm. my relationship with this person or this friend or whoever it may mm -hmm. be, you know, what did we learn from that? And I mm -hmm. think being able to focus on some of that rather than all the what is all the shoulds or all the very hateful kind of thoughts, it mm -hmm. can take off some of that pressure in our own perceptions because we're the right. ones who decide how we want to take this on. And sometimes right. we're going to be filled with a lot of anger, a lot of mm. angst, a lot of hatred. But other times we also can remind ourselves that we can control what kind of feelings come up for us in those moments. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm pretty sure that most, if not all of us, have been to hangouts or situations where there is someone we don't like there. And right. 
we think about how are we going to manage our emotions? How are we going to, you know, name this person? This person has a name. How are we going to see this person? What are we going to do about it? Are we going to yell at them in front of all our friends? Or are we going to just, you know, take a step back, minimize our interactions with this person and just, you know, try to be as polite as we can and move on. You know, when the right. hang is over, it's over. You know, that, that's what I think about when you bring up that example of, you know, being able to name our regret or to, you know, in a sense, be friends, but not be friends with it, you know, personalize yeah. it. Right, right. Yeah, like externalize um, the regret and just be able to picture it as someone. Um, yeah, even like just like how if you were at home and someone comes knocking on your door, let's say regret comes knocking on your door and maybe you open the door, maybe you welcome it in, um, come and have some tea. And then when time is up, maybe you can um, let um, regret go somewhere else and then maybe it shows up again. Um, and then it might take a few rounds of being with it um, in order to make sense of it. Um and yeah, so it, it can be exhausting sometimes, but um, just the whole process of being with it, it can be helpful. And mm-hmm. um, kind of going back to what you were saying about um, how you would treat regret is kind of a relationship. It, it can kind of be like a relationship that you're trying to figure out. So like relationship with regret or guilt. So in regards to guilt, it's like, um, how do I then, uh, would I consider self-forgiveness? Um, this is really difficult to do. Um, it's easier said than done. And maybe some people find it hard to even think about it. And especially if you are a parent and you lost a child and you feel like you could have, should have protected your child. Um, yeah, so maybe even like taking steps to get curious about what would it take for you to move towards self-forgiveness. Um, and that's where the concept of self-compassion comes in. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to a friend who shares with you about their guilt or regret? Um, I imagine that um, we would probably tell them that, um, yeah, it would make sense that they feel, feel that way. And um, we probably wouldn't punish them or judge them um, for any mistakes they might have made or any any circumstances outside of their control. Because oftentimes with regret, so many things happen, guilt and regret, like things happen outside of our control. But um, there's this thing called hindsight bias where we can see what happens like after the fact so we can see the outcome. Um, but when it was happening, we could not we could not see it happening. So it's now that we have the information of what happened, we might use it against ourselves and punish ourselves or um, we get hard on ourselves because back then we might have made decisions based on our capacity and our resources um, and stressors. So even understanding the context in which you decided certain things or decided not to or to do certain things and now that you have the ability to look back because it's just like how I can I can tell you all about my day how my day yesterday unfolded but it would be hard for me to tell you um, in detail how tomorrow would unfold 
Like I could have plans about、mm. going to swim or plans to go on vacation, but I don't know if I step out the door if something,、um, if like a car knocks me or if I lost my、um, lost my purse. It's hard for me to actually know exactly how tomorrow would unfold. And that's a really good point to make because. It's something I hear a lot of, from my clients. You know, it's all these should be's, what should happen, or these expectations they have, things they anticipate for. You know, there's nothing wrong、mm-hmm. with having dreams or plans or preparing for something.、Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. I find that we become really fixated on what we want and our expectations of things、mm-hmm. that haven't happened yet. And then on the other hand. With the things that we have currently or in the past, we end up fixating on the things that we are lacking. You know,、mm-hmm. there a lot of times people will usually say what they need, or what went wrong, or what could have been, should have been,、mm-hmm. and not so much, you know, or or regret. But not a lot of people will talk about things like what went well, what are the fond or happy memories、mm-hmm. or moments, or what、mm-hmm. they have right now, because we're so. In this culture of wanting more and more, and then beating、mm-hmm. ourselves up and、mm-hmm. being our own worst critics of things、right. that we aren't doing good enough, and I、right. think that's really tiring to put、It、on、is. ourselves and other people. And it makes sense why people feel a lot of guilt, guilt in things that didn't happen or should have happened, and then regret again in things that didn't happen or should have happened.、Right. It all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also,、um, in regards to,、um, with regards to finding ways to be with the with the guilt or regret, if it's it feels. Um, sometimes it it feels so unbearable because it just keeps playing on and on in our minds, and it's hard to it's hard to、um, live. Maybe get through the day because it 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 feels so heavy.、Um, and and one way that I also、um, encourage people to、um, to understand those two emotions is. Um, yeah, just thinking of what are some things that can do with it. So, for example,、um, advocating.、Um, so, for for instance, let's say your person died in a car accident because of、um, drunk driving.、Um, so maybe you might want to、um, speak out、um, on causes related to that, or maybe. There was some accident that your person、um, died, and and that could have been prevented. And you might want to talk about it with the public to prevent it from happening. It, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the guilt or regret. But it's something、um, active that you could do with it.、Um, and even maybe with regret, like what are some ways in which regret has impacted you and how you choose to live. Right now in this moment,、um, whether whether it be, am I now choosing to spend more time with certain people? Am I choosing to make more decisions that align with my values?、Um, am I now、um, expressing my love and care to people more just because I know that maybe I might not see them the next time I think that I'm going to see them? Let's say if you experience a sudden death, you now take look at life differently. Um, so those are 
different ways of carrying grief, being with it. It doesn't take away the pain, but it's there are ways to, um, yeah, to be able to carry them and integrate them in your life. It really reminds me of going back to that focus of what's happening now. What do we need now? Right. And right. Yeah, in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Which I know can sound really cheesy and corny and like, you know, mm-hmm. be mindful, be present. But mm-hmm. there's a reason why it comes up over and over again because we can get so caught up with what we want for us, but then we can also get caught up with what has already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, what has happened has happened, whether there's guilt or regret. And then what can happen in the future? We don't even know what's going to – it will turn out, you know, like – Five, six right. years ago, if you told me that I did my master's and I'm a therapist, I probably would have been like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think I would do my master's, but, you know, you, you just never know what might happen. Right. And we can't change what has already happened, but what we can change is right now, you know? How are we going to perceive something? How are we going to respond to something? Those are things that we do have control over right now. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we might respond in a way that we aren't too happy about. We might lash out at someone or we might – you know, have a nervous breakdown in front of everyone in, in the room. And something you said earlier was in that moment, it felt like it was what you needed, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. you made a decision that was the only or best or what you were right. able to do then. You know, maybe two days later, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Well, two right. days later, things have changed. Maybe you're in a more calmer state. Maybe yes. you have the tools to do something differently but two Mm -hmm. days ago you didn't have that option you know yeah totally like you have different resources now compared to that time um and you mentioned about um some some things you mentioned reminded me of um yeah in regards to control like oftentimes we experience regret and guilt because we think that we have the ability uh the power to control uh, more, we think that we have more power and control and ability to influence outcomes more than we actually do. Because sometimes, and this is hard to make sense. Um, it's hard to make sense of the reality that a lot of circumstances are outside of our, our control. We do have things within our control, but then there are also things that um, happen, like accidents or things that just were unforeseen. Um, and sometimes it feels safer to think that everything is within the ability of ourselves, like everything is within our ability to control. Um, So if we think of, if on the flip side, if we think of like um, some things are outside of our control, then it means that bad things can happen anytime. And that can be really scary and create anxiety. And so sometimes we might feel like, oh, we could have done this, we could have done that because then it would make it, um, it feels like I could have controlled it. So it doesn't make sense that this world has things that happen outside of our control. And we feel like we could have prevented the death um, when in actual reality, um, this world, bad things do happen and good things do happen to, um, sorry, bad things do happen to good people. Um, And so when those things happen randomly, it can shatter our assumptions of how this world is and it can feel like a scary place. And so this is just, um, yeah, this is one way to kind of understand like why why we feel 
regret or guilt and why we we have those questions that keep coming back to us like why why did I do that or I could have done this or I could have done that yeah and you know there's a lot of blame I think that's the word that comes up for me a lot of blame maybe on others but a lot of blame on ourselves you know Mm -hmm. why didn't we do this why didn't we do that or why is the world the way it is and a lot of hopelessness I think that's mm-hmm. the feeling that comes up for me based on the description you just shared about how regret can come up. You know, how could something happen to me or how could something happen to this person who was so wonderful? Mm-hmm. And it makes you lose a lot of faith in humanity, faith in the world like or faith in your own spirituality. Right. And I think that can be so discouraging and it makes everything really dark, but it goes back to what we were saying about that focus on the present, you know, what's going on right now? What do you feel right now? And what does that mean for you? What do you need in this moment to help you get through it? Yeah. So regrounding, um, re-anchoring back to the present, that can be really helpful, especially when those thoughts feel like they just want stop it feels like um Mm -hmm. it's just hopeless um but then when we find ways to anchor ourselves bring ourselves back to the moment um listen to sounds around us um smell the smells of things around us um just being able to engage in the present can be really helpful it doesn't take away the pain but it helps us to find our ground again um when it feels like we're like losing ground feels like we can't stand again can't stand up can't walk um so that can be really um yeah it could be a good resource um yeah Mm -hmm. so today we talked a lot about being able to name the regret naming the guilt or naming the grief naming an emotion that comes up for you sometimes you might want to befriend it sometimes you might want to see it in a different way and then we also talked a lot about focusing on the present and one of the grounding techniques that I sometimes like to use or sometimes I'll tell my clients is um, you might know the for some listeners might know the five, four, three, two, one method where you acknowledge five things you can see, acknowledge four things you can touch, acknowledge three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one positive thing that you can taste. You know, I think by doing this, it really puts you back to the present moment, physically at least, and it distracts you emotionally and takes away those thoughts so that you're able to think about you know what's going on in your body what do you notice about yourself it's almost like a small or soft reset so that's one of the things that I sometimes like to do and sometimes I like to tell my clients but other than some Mm -hmm. of these points uh, Cordelia I'm wondering if you have any other final comments about our discussion today yeah so um, two things Um, so one other ways one other way to um, cope with guilt um, that I usually suggest is consider writing an apology letter if this mm-hmm. is something that is on your heart. So let's say you really wanted to say sorry, but you are now unable to say it to the person because they're no longer here. Um, 
But even writing a letter could be really therapeutic because you're able to process your feelings, um, be with it, and maybe even consider um, trying. This can be hard, but try writing a letter back from the person. Um, so just kind of imagine what they could possibly say. This could be helpful if you had a good relationship with the person. That might not be something you want to try if you didn't have a good relationship. Um, but it really depends on the context of your relationship. But it can be helpful to um, make amends by writing a letter, or it could be even helpful to if they have someone who's still alive that's connected to them, and you wanted to um, apologize. If let's say there was something related to the person who's still alive, you might want to do that. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to also mention is that um, it's so important to find someone safe that will not dismiss how you're feeling, that won't um, minimize how you're feeling. And sometimes um, when you're feeling regret or guilt, um, people might say, oh, it's not your fault and just kind of shut off the conversation be like, why are you feeling mm -hmm. this way? Shouldn't be feeling this way. Um, you did your best. And sometimes that is not helpful. Sometimes it actually makes you feel like no one truly understands. So my encouragement would be to seek out a grief and trauma informed therapist who can yeah, be with you in that um, space, um, be with you in that and to be able to um for you to share it openly without feeling judged, um, without getting dismissed. And um, and I think it's so important to create room to acknowledge it and process it um, instead of avoiding it because the more um, it's avoided, it it would probably keep coming back. Um, so those are just some things I wanted to share before we end today. Yeah, and I love that because I'm kind of, but cracking a smile here there's nothing worse than someone saying like oh you know at least you're still alive it could have been worse or right at least. nothing is worse than starting a sentence with at least because yeah, it's totally. like well that pretty much invalidates the entire experience <laughs> thank you for yeah, that and right you know we all say that. I'm guilty of saying that at times because you're trying to look at the positive right. things but right. like you said it can do more harm than good and it completely just invalidates someone's experience. So what we can always do is hold space for someone. Yes. You know, silence and presence can be so much more powerful than trying to scramble and think of words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yes, totally. So Cordelia, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How can the listeners find you? Yeah, it's my pleasure and an honor to be here. Um, this is a topic so close to my heart. Um, so I really enjoy being with you, getting to talk about this. And my hope is that people can um, be encouraged by this podcast and that it would um, help people to make sense of things. Um, so if, if anyone wanted to find me, they can... Um, find me on both my Instagram accounts. I have two accounts. One is specifically focused on grieving. So that one is called Soulful Grieving. Um, and then I have another one called Anchored Hearts. Sorry, Anchored 
thought hearts um, and if you or anyone is seeking therapy um, I invite you to reach out to me um, at Cordelia anchor thought uh, sorry Cordelia at anchoredhearts.ca um, or you can also fill out the contact form on my website so yeah I'll be glad to connect with you and um, thank you for listening to this conversation and I'll make sure to include all those links in the description box so you can check out Cordelia or follow her on her social media. And that's a great way just to learn little tidbits about broadening your languaging or how you approach this kind of topic. And for anyone who would like to learn a bit more visual learners, you can always check out my blog post on Shervin.ca, follow my Twitter at HelloShervin and my Instagram at Therapy with Shervin for updates. Thank you so much for listening and thank you again Cordelia for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.